Welcome to What in the Horror Podcast. Welcome back to yet another episode of What in the Horror with your hosts Lando and Tim. Today we will be reviewing Sinister from 2012 and Avenged, also known as Savaged, from 2013. Today we'll start with my pick, which is Sinister. And basically this movie opens up with Super 8 footage depicting a family of four standing beneath a tree with hoods over their heads and nooses around their necks and a unseen figure saws the limb of the tree causing them to be hanged then fast forwards months later when a washed up crime writer named allison oswalt moves into the murdered family's home with his wife tracy and their two kids ashley who is a gifted artist who is allowed to paint on her walls basically and their son trevor who starts to re-experience bizarre night terrors upon moving into the home only allison is aware of what happened in the house and uh he intends to use the murders for a basis of his new book and hopes research will turn up the fate of the family's fifth member a little girl named stephanie who disappeared following the murders ellison finds ends up finding a box in the attic and it contains a projector and several reels of standard eight millimeter footage and they're all labeled whole movies like one's called sleepy time 98 another is called barbecue 79 then there's pool party 66 and lawn work 86 and then the first film that you see in the beginning of the movie is called family hanging out 2011 and they all depict murders like sleepy time you see a family getting their throat slit in the bed barbecue is a family getting burned to death in their car pool party is Basically, everybody gets drowned in their family's pool. Lawn work is everybody getting ran over by a lawnmower. And of course, family hanging out is the family getting hung to death. Well, while he's watching these films, he finds that he sees a demonic figure in the pool party film, which is what he watches first. And then he also finds a strange painted symbol in the film as well. And then he also finds in the underside of the lid of the box contains little crude drawings of each murder and each murder has this little demonic figure that is identified as Mr. Boogie. Well after consulting a local deputy Allison discovers that each murder was that the murders were depicted in the films took place in different times beginning from the 60s and in different cities across the count country he also learns that the families were all drugged before being killed and that a child from each family went missing following each murder the deputy refers allison to a local professor jonas who is a expert in the occult and demonic phenomena and uh he ends up calling him through uh video chat and jonah tells allison that the symbol that the symbols are of that of a pagan identity named Bagul, who would kill entire families so that he could could take their children into his realm and consume their souls. One night, Allison hears the film projector running and goes up to his attic. There, he sees the missing children in various stages of decay watching 
one of the films. Bagul suddenly appears on camera before physically appearing before Allison. Allison, he of course takes the camera and films in the backyard and tries to burn them. Then he wakes to his family, or then he wakes up his family and tells them that he's planning on moving back to their old house. And so that's what they end up doing is moving back. Well, at his old home, Allison receives a message from Professor Jonas, who sends him scans of historical drawings associated with Bagul. Each had been particularly destroyed because ancient cultures believed that Bagul lived within the images and that they acted as portals between his realm and the mortal world. Allison then discovers the projector and film or films in his attic of his new old home and he also finds a new envelope in the of film label extended endings during this time the deputy tries calling calling him several times but allison doesn't answer the next time the deputy calls while allison is assembling the films he finally answers the deputy informs him that he discovered a link between each murders every family had lived previously in the house where the last murder took place and each new murder occurred shortly after the family moved into their new residence by moving back into his old home after living at the site of the previous murders allison has placed himself and his family to be the next murder murder victims allison then watches the footage he found in the his attic and he finds that it depicts each missing children coming on screen following each murder revealing them to be the killer's before suddenly disappearing. Before he can react, Allison becomes lightheaded. Inspecting his coffee cup, he finds a note reading, Good night, Daddy, and a green liquid inside the cup before losing cautiousness. Allison awakes to find himself, his wife, and his son bound and gagged. Ashley approaches, yeah, his daughter Ashley approaches him holding a 8mm camera and promises him that she will make him famous again. Ashley then proceeds to murder her family with an axe, using their blood to paint images of cats, dogs, unicorns on the walls. Her work is complete. Ashley adds a new drawing to the lid of the box, complete with the drawing of Mr. Boogie. She views the Super 8 film of the murders. Each includes with an image of the missing children watching her. Boogie appears, green blood covering his hands, causing the children to flee. He lifts Ashley into his arm and disappears into the film with her. And then finally, the the movie concludes with an image of the box in the Oswalt's family attic, now accomplished with a real labeled family painting 2012. Then you get the shit scared out of you by... Bagul appearing out of fucking nowhere warning those that are watching the movie are, are next and that's basically the end of the movie I mean it's pretty straightforward it's an actual good movie I heard people for years talk about this movie and I seen trailers of it and stuff and I just wasn't interested and then I'm like well I'll give it a shot so yeah I I really like this movie and I know a lot of people on mine did too like Rotten Tomato their score was a 63 which is kind of low for me for my liking 
rating. Audience score was 61. That's pretty too low for this movie. Google, they gave it an 85%, which is okay. I would have probably gave it a 90. At least the box off or the budget for this movie was only 3 million, which made sense. I mean, it didn't have a lot of special effects. It just had some. And the, and it made about $87.7 million. So, but yeah. What do you think, Tim? I think it was had great shock factor. Like you said, there's a lot of points where... You either feel like you're going to have something make you jump and it doesn't, which I love when it's a suspense. It doesn't happen. Sometimes that's as good as actually having it happen. And then there's those, like you said, when he shows up at the end and a couple other points where just like, look when the, the sun comes out of the box, that part there, I jumped. I thought it was like a poltergeist. I didn't realize it was actually his son. <laughs> so yeah, it was a very good movie. I would watch it again, definitely. Yeah, that fucking made me jump too. Plus the part in the end when Bogol just flashes right in front of your eyes and you're like, shit. And I <laughs> yeah. swear, like right after that fucking happened for like a straight hour or two, my heart was racing. Just thinking about it happening right now is making my heart race. Yeah, and that's that's good. You don't see movies do that very often. Yeah, it was a very good movie. Good choice, Lando. Really good choice. Yeah, I try to make good choices in my film choices but sometimes there's a swing and a miss that's part of being a reviewer of horror movies but uh when it comes to my personal thoughts there wasn't much gore in this movie but it had an okay amount of blood the acting all around was great except for the guy that played the deputy he just he his acting skills suck he was not believable at all he just seemed like one of those nerds in high school that turned into a cop pretty much yeah, like he's reading from a script while while he was there, like he's reading off cue cards or something. It was bad. And, but you're right. Everybody else in the movie was excellent. And that one character, it just if they brought that together, that would have been made this film completely solid. Yeah. And other things I liked. I liked the whole story behind the movie. It kept me interested throughout the movie. I liked how the Bagul character would get these kids to kill for him, even though it really didn't explain how he was able to do it. I don't know if he like manipulated him or what, but it was still pretty awesome. And then I like the whole whodunit feel within the movie because you really don't think that it's the kids. You think it might be the Bagul character, but then again, you're like, how the fuck is he filming? And then you see him being shown in the films. Like you see him, I know he was in the bottom of the pool when the family was getting drowned to death. He was seen in the background when the uh, family was being burned to death in their car. So I, it was very confusing that part, but once it showed that it was the kids that were doing it the whole time, then I was like, Oh damn, that makes sense. Son. The ending was pretty awesome. Even though I felt kind of bad for the main character. I mean, Allison, he, he seemed like a really good guy. And then all of a sudden he gets killed by his own only daughter and of course his wife and son gets murdered too so and like i said the jump scare oh my god that made me jump out of my fucking skin like i really don't jump in horror movies very often i can't really think of the last movie that actually made me jump out of my seat but now i can say it was definitely sinister yeah, I actually think I have a theory on why that happened, too, because they did a lot of parts where you felt like the jump was coming, and it didn't. 
So it kind of lulled you into getting comfortable with the idea. That's not going to happen. And boom, it was there. <laughs> it really did. And I loved, I agree with you up until the end. I had not seen this movie before, at least I don't remember it. And I didn't think it was the kids. I assumed it had something to do with supernatural powers or something. I never thought it was the kids until we actually saw the kids with the extended cuts. It's like, wait a minute, what? What just happened? That kind of surprised me too. And it was, a I like that twisted ending where you don't predict it in the first five minutes of the show and know what happened. Oh yeah. I mean, I just, I have nothing more to say about this movie. I mean, I can't think of a damn thing. So with that being said, we're going to go with next with Tim's pick, which was again, Avenged, also known as Savaged. Take it away. All right. Um, it opens up to, there's this car covered with a tarp. They pull it off. It's a 68 um, GTO. Beautiful car. Say so had me hooked. Love cars. <laughs> But then you find out that uh, this girl named Zoe's with her mother there, and she's her mother's explaining that her dad wanted her to have the car. So it's hers. So he gives her the keys. She goes to start it after a little hesitation, finally gets it started up, which makes her extremely excited. Then it cuts into them in the kitchen, and she's telling her mother, because she's deaf, so there's a lot of sign language involved here and stuff, that she wants to move in with her boyfriend on the other side of the country. Um, her boyfriend lives like in California and she lives on the East coast. So she's got to travel across. Well, then it goes into, she finally, her mother asked her, are you sure? And she says, yes, she starts driving. Well, this girl takes a lot of selfies, you know, just kind of that modern day thing. And this is the part where I'm, I'm afraid. I'm going to be honest. I was afraid at this point is going to go South. <laughs> it's going to be a boring movie because she's taking all these selfies, like sitting on top of the car, taking selfies constantly. Like, at least once an hour, I guess she was checking in. Our last selfie was at this, uh, the last pictures she took were the sign of Acme um, was the town. And then there's a picture of some weird cactus and then a coyote's body that she found on the other side. It was, it was had maggots on and stuff. It had been torn open. Then it goes into her driving down the road and she almost, she's playing with her phone, texting on her phone, of course. And then she's looked up, which by the way, talking about a deaf person. I already can't hear texting on a phone. That just adds a level of no, just don't do it beyond anything. But then she slams in her brakes because this Indian guy that um, walks out in front of her is like bleeding from his belly and collapses in front of her. She almost hit him. Well, while she's watching here, she sees a truck coming with another Indian running in front of the truck. He seems to be injured slightly as well. And the truck literally runs him over like he falls down and to take his head off of the bumper basically and then she decides to try and help this indian guy that's that was in front of her drag her and him into the passenger side and got him into the car well just as soon as she got him in the car here comes the truck full of these rednecks um well they're in they're there they they get out and they tell her you know just you know let's take care of him don't worry about it and of course she's freaking out and a knife falls out of the indian's pocket or something falls out of the ground and she grabs a knife and kind of holds him off a little bit. Well, it keeps on going. And this other guy go, picks out this other guy, the real kind of the badass of the group, pulls out this Bowie knife and goes that this is a knife. You know, kind of a crocodile Dundee play on action is kind of funny a little bit. Almost chuckled on that part. But she's fending him off a little bit. She runs around to the other side of the car, shuts the door on the, on the Indian side and runs on the other side of the car while the door was still wide open and... Uh, the leader of them, called, his name's Trey, he shoves the door shut with his foot and she's kind of holding them off. And during this time, the um, 
other guy reaches in and takes the Bowie knife and repeatedly stabs the Indian and kills him. Then they say, Angel, you can do this the easy way or you can do this the hard way. I'll be a pretty good little angel and this the hard way. And she takes off running. Well, the guy, the Bowie knife hands Trey the uh, a pistol revolver and says, if she gets away, we're done. So he shoots, misses, shoots again, misses. Third shot gets her in the leg. Then it just kind of fades away. And after she falls and you, she wake, it zooms in to her tied to a bed with barbed wire off four limbs to four corners with barbed wire. And then they proceed to all raper and including this she sees this guy looking at her while it's happening through this peephole which you find out later is like the younger brother who's a little special and he's playing himself during this but he go that goes through that phase and trey comes out and talks to her at one point and brings out these skulls about the indians and talks about how his uh, great-grandfather was a uh, was a general and his, his blood throws through his veins of course he's drunk at this point but he's holding up the skull the one has this war paint on it he goes yeah this is the uh great war chief mangus and he holds up the skull and he goes my grandfather um killed him and uh you know that's what we do we try to get rid of these indians there and everybody because they're just not worth it and he's basically white power type thing almost but not quite 100 percent. just feels like his race is the superior one anyhow they goes inside She's left out there, and well, he's inside there playing a poker game. The uh, they have a little little ruckus going back and forth, you know, typical drunk, you know, family redneck family feud type thing, or they're just messing with each other and kind of being rude. The guy with the boy knife slams a knife on the table, like stabs it in the table really loudly. Kind of actually, you know, it almost had the jump effect last movie, not nearly as good, but it had a little bit of an effect. I wasn't expecting it. Um, and he says, we got to get rid of her or we're going to get in. Someone's going to start looking for her. She's a blind deaf girl. You know, we left a car. We got to do something. So Trey goes five card uh, draw. If I win, I get to keep her. And it's just me. None of y'all can touch her ever again. And he goes, if you win, we take care of her. Well, while this is going on, she manages to rip her hand through the barbed wire and rip it free and then gets both hands free, sits up. Well, it goes back to the game for uh, five spades Trey has thinking, oh, oh, he won. This is not going to go well for her either. Then the other guy lays down four aces. He won. So then it fades out to outside. She apparently got free. She's kind of waddling a little, obviously injured. She got shot in the leg, plus her just ripped barbed wire off all her and that's not even including the barbed wire ripping into her while she was being raped and the damage from that as well so she's kind of leaning against the door casing he comes out and he notices her the guy with the bowie knife because he's coming and her and she starts going as fast as she can a little bit of crawling finally gets up on her feet and moving a little bit very tenderly still gets up on top of the hill and she can see the town lights because it's dark out well just as she sees the town light she almost gets a sigh of relief on her face as he walks up and buries the hilt of the uh, bowie knife right into her and it fades out and you got this indian walking with his german shepherd dog um and the dog's running ahead barking well the dog's running up to see her hand sticking out of the dirt very terrible job burying the body <laughs> And the hand's still twitching as the Indian walks up a little bit. So it's almost like there's still life to her, which it kind of confuses me. But he digs her up, holds her, and uh, decides to take her back and try to resurrect her, um, bring her back. I don't know at this point if she was actually dead or on the verge of death or how that was working. But when he's trying to bring her back, the spirit of the Apache war chief comes back with her. And 
the one that was killed by the ancestor rednecks, right? That raped Zoe. The chief possessed her body and starts to like float up in the air and starts to mumble phrases like the last phrase, something about, you know, going to hell. The same thing that it was told to him on his, that the um, other guy had said, his grandfather said to him as he killed him. Well, he goes not on my watch and smacks him, knocks, knocks, thinks he knocks his spirit out of her. Well, she's buried underneath, she's underneath a um, sheet for the night. I don't know if he was waiting to see if she would survive or not. I think he thought he got rid of that. But anyhow, she wakes up and wanders off to town, gets to town, tries calling on a payphone to call her boyfriend. Of course, she's mute, so she can't really hear everything. So she's doing the best she can. She does get a hold of him. So he eventually gets off the phone to try and trace, to have the tra- call trace to find out where she is. And this time she gets off the phone because she sees a cop show up, a deputy. And then she realizes it's one of the people that raped her. So she follows him into the bar. When in the bar, when they get in there, you realize it's also some guy playing pool is another one of the rapists. And then there's this other guy behind the counter. While she's walking toward the bar, they're talking and he's explaining to the guy about the Indians and stuff. Like, it's too bad those two Indians turned up, you know, dead and stuff like that. He goes, he's just as bad. The barkeeper's just as bad, just as racist. And then he, the guy's still talking, the, the deputy, and she's walking in and the guy playing pool notices her. And the barkeeper notices her. And then eventually the guy playing pool, where she gets behind him, yells out his name. He turns around Caesar, And he tries to pull his gun and she smashes a bottle and starts stabbing his guts and just ripping the shreds. I mean, this is this is where the gore starts. The true gore. I mean, there's a little blood and stuff before, but this is brutal. Other than watching her tear her hands out of that bar part, that's pretty bad. But tears them apart. Um, the guy behind tries to stop it with a pool stick. She breaks the pool sticks, shoves it through his eye and kills him, throws a chair at the, uh, bartender, knocks him unconscious or kills him. I'm not sure which, uh, at this point, it doesn't show whether or not she killed him later or not. But then she starts to rip this guy's guts out, like literally pulling them out like yard by yard, pretty much is, I mean, this is gruesome. <laughs> Actually, it's pretty brutal. Deservingly so. I mean, after what happened to her, you're kind of rooting for her to tear him apart like this. But he keeps tearing and tearing and tearing. Oh, he's begging. He says, we can blame this on the Indians. You, I mean, we're sorry what happened to you. We can bl- blame it all on the Indians and blame this on the Indians and stuff. You don't have to worry about it. And she comes up to him and literally it shows her holding a bottle right in front of his face and starts jabbing from a different angle. And basically you assume she just pulverized his face with this bottle and then it fades off um well the uh indian wakes up sees that the sheet's gone uh the sheet's empty outside so he's uh, kind of a little bit worried at this point because he knows something happened the uh boyfriend winds up showing up to town as the the actual sheriff and the other some other cops were there at the crime scene freaking out about his girlfriend because she'd been missing three days and was talking to the sheriff and he goes, unless she's a guy that can literally and explained all the, what the gruesome inside and goes, she's like, she's like skin and bones. Basically. She's, she's not capable of that. So he's like, well, then I, it's going to have to wait. And just before he goes in, he says, come by my office and I want to help you. He seems like a pretty decent sheriff, to be honest with you. Anyhow, as he sees it, then the uh, rednecks all show up in a truck freaking out. 
Well, they go over and Trey and the, uh, the guy at the Bowie Knife go in there and, and Trey identifies him as uh, one of them is his brother and the other one is one of the other guys that were in the group. They're all family, I think. And he goes back to the truck saying, yeah, it was them. It was. And the black guy, by the way, the boyfriend's black, walks over to them and starts asking them, you know, about this girl, about the girl. And first off, they act, try to pretend like they don't know, but they're not even literally looking at the picture. And then he, they make some off comments that make it pretty obvious they know something that they did something or know something about the girl. And he starts to get a little bit more aggressive with it. And they start using the N-word and start freaking out on him. And basically, you know, being racist like they already were. Sheriff comes over and breaks it up. Tells him to wait in the police car because he's going to talk to the boyfriend. And tells them to go home. Well, goes into the police car part. And he tells him, you know, he just lost his brother. They're not exactly the most friendliest bunch. It might not be a good idea to stir this up any worse. Go back to his motel and he'll try and do what he can do to help. And uh, he, uh, the boyfriend also explains that he's pretty sure that they know something about what happened. Well, the rednecks are going on, going home anyway. And, uh, you know, it fades away to that. They, they, they're just heading back. And then it fades away to his barn and her waking up in his barn. Well, she finds scalps on the ground. Kind of freaks her out because it's like she didn't know what happened the night before. This like wall curtain thing of like barn curtain of plastic opens up. And I'm miraculously almost like magic. And there's a whole bunch of weapons on the wall, including a hunting bow. Well, she grabs the hunting bow. All right. These uh, rednecks are still trying to figure out who's go- who killed who, whatever. And they decide, you know what? We're going to go up to this like retreat thing they have up there. But one of the guys has to go get some supplies. Well, the one who goes to get supplies separate while they're getting it, they're together, the rest of the supplies. He winds up getting shot with an arrow. Or, or she shows up anyway, and he calls the other guys, and he gets shot with an arrow while on the phone with them, telling him it was her. And he gets shot up like a pincushion, like really bad and killed, like right in the face, basically, that last shot. Okay, so obviously they drive down there. The sheriff's already there. They already have the crime scene. They realize what happened. They're trying to try figure it out because it doesn't make any sense. I mean, how is this possible if it was the girl? It, I mean, the only one that's kind of making sense with it is the um, guy with the bowie knife has this supernatural idea that something weird might be happening. Well, as they go to drive away, she shows up and shoots one of them in the neck. And I'm not sure if they went someplace else first. I think they did. But shoots one of them in the neck and the arrow's going right through. Um, didn't kill him, but then jumps up in the back of the car and gets a fight with the guy with the bowie knife. As the one guy's they're driving down the road, the guy's feet are hanging out. The one's got an arrow through his neck for most of the ride until he finally gets in. This fight goes on so bad with this guy in the back of the truck that um, he gets shoved to the back of the truck window, back window of the truck. It's brutal. She almost looks like she's getting like superhuman strength and getting stronger and stronger all of a sudden. And that's when he like slams on the brakes. So she goes flying off in front of the vehicle. He runs her over, looks back, sees her getting back up after being ran over by the truck. Like we're talking full run over, like crushed. She should be dead. So he's kind of freaking out. So they take off and go to go to the uh, site. They decide also on the way to contact um, the guy who got the, excuse me, got the pool stick through the uh, eyeball. His father apparently is an ex-military guy that's kind of a little bit nuts. And they contact him to get some weapons and maybe a couple more people. So they do that. And uh, 
they head up to this place and they're waiting for him. They get him there. And the guy shows up with the uh, with his Trans Am or Firebird or whatever, newer one. Not new, but newer. And shows up with that and they get all the guns and he's got two guys with him. And they're pretty much fortifying the place. Well, while this is going on, it fades back to her going back to the Indian's place right next to the fire where she was resurrected. Well, her hands busted up bad and everything. The, so she... Sticks an arrow piece in the thing, sticks it back together, duct tapes it together, takes out the bandage on the other hand, and you see that there's it's just a big hole where she tore the flesh off and maggots. She takes off her ring that she got, the engraved ring that she got from her boyfriend that they have matching ones, and it like peels it down to like a skeleton finger. It's a, it's kind of gruesome. And she realizes the bowl's broke and tosses it into the fire too. Rips out her liver, which is shredded, throws that in the fire and fills it full of rocks and dirt in her belly. And the sound effects even matches perfectly. It's just disgustingly gross. The slurping, it's pretty pretty gruesome. And the Indian guy's watching her do this out the window, by the way, freaking out a little bit. (laughs) Not getting involved at this point. I think he's like, nope, I'm good. (laughs) So she gets this done. And then all of a sudden she's gifted because he jumps, the spirit jumps out and sits in front of her. You can see the spirit in front of her, the... uh, war chief and then all of a sudden the ground starts shaking a tomahawk floats into the air she grabs it uh, and then a, a knife floats in the air she grabs it and then this necklace floats in the air she leans her head over and it gets put on her like supernaturally put on her there's really nobody there and then um goes back to the you know they're they're fortifying the place trying to figure out what to do they decide to steal the boyfriend during this time so they go and knock him out and bring him with them to the place they have him taped to a wheelchair with duct tape duct tape seems to be a thing in this movie <laughs> they have him duct to a tape the chair wheelchair the military um father he's just as racist as the rest of them starts smacking the guy around calling him names and basically wanting to kill him because they don't see, he doesn't see any point in him being alive because he just doesn't deserve it because of his color of his skin basically and trey actually stops him there and says we need him for this so then she shows up a bunch of different brutal murder situations uh tears people apart pretty bad uh it starts off with one guy the guy with the arrow rent runs off during this commotion by the way this is how it starts runs off of the firebird or camaro heading down the hill well, of course, again, he gets handed the gun by the guy with the Bowie knife, gets handed his M4 that the guy brought, and he goes, he's you got you no know, same thing. Got to take him out or he's going to end up uh, telling on us. So just before he's about to shoot, she shows up in front of the car, throws a, throws a uh, spear through the guy in the car, and it just like does this barrel roll flippy thing, blows up, drops in front of her. And the headlights are still working. It's upside down, but the headlights are still working. And you can see like the shadow of the uh, possessor, like behind. And the guy with the boy knife goes, and the puppeteer shows itself. That was kind of a cool scene. I like that. Um, she comes up, starts killing everybody, including hacking the head off after pulling him through a window, hacking the head off of the 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 father, the really racist father. That was like, I mean, it wasn't just like a simple little you know, when whack done. No, she just repeatedly hacked until that came off. I don't know. I, I kind of like it when it's like this and not this single swipe through a body or through a neck. It make, gives you that feel of realism and kind of, and she winds up killing everybody through this whole thing, throws a tomahawk into the other, one of the other military guys faces and kills him. And you no, know, and it gets down to, it's just Trey and uh, the guy with the Bowie knife. And she winds up killing the guy with the Bowie knife. She winds up stabbing him and then dragging him around, uh, hitting him with a tomahawk and pulling him around. And you see his legs flailing and dies. She comes out, uh, Trey takes off. I mean, we really have a choice at this point. He takes off. He winds up going to the Indian's house, the one who resurrected her. 
beats him up a little bit, finds out that maybe if he buries the bones on that property, because that's where what he is, the Indian is, is he, um, he's in charge of the burial grounds. He keeps track of them. It's like a watcher kind of thing. Well, he's told them if he buries the bones, it might get rid of the uh, spirit, the possessing spirit. So he goes back, gets the bones out of the cabinet and stuff like that. And he's headed back there and he throws them all in this big hole, starts throwing them in, starts looking at them all and realizes he's missing the war chief's head. He had the war chief's head when he put it in the car in the bag but it wasn't there and you hear somebody behind something like this, something tossed up and being caught and then it fades out to in front of him you can see behind him she's standing there tossing the skull up in her hand and catching it of course this becomes a big fight afterwards um he gets a chainsaw they fight around for quite a while it's actually a pretty good fight for a chainsaw he moved a little bit slow so he, she gets she nicks away at him cuts him a little bit eventually cuts his hand off that's holding the saw the trigger of the saw like i said this is a, a pet peeve spot. Like the saw keeps revving. I mean, if it continues to run at one thing, but revving is just kind of weird, but I can get over it because it's still a cool scene. In the end, she gets him down. She's about to cut him up. He sticks the saw right through her and just tearing her apart right through her guts where this, where she stuffed it before. And she winds up killing him, cutting his head off. Same thing. Hack, hack, hack. Those gone. Then it fades out into the boyfriend showing up and the boyfriend shows up and she he goes inside finds the indian and the indian's in there tied up so he finds out that and then goes outside and looks and she's out there half buried and she's got half herself buried she's trying to bury herself with you know as weak as she is because she's her body's decimated at this point it's missing an eye it's gory and she's trying to bury herself he looks at her. They have a little bit of heart to heart. You know, they sign language. She sign languages him that she loves him. And he says he loves her too. He goes and gets the gasoline can, covers with gasoline. One last heart to heart thing. And then lights are on fire. And you see the two spirits come up like flamey, like vapor. And then they separate. So she's finally at peace. And that, uh, other than that, he fades out to them, him and the Indian filling in all the graves. And that's the end of the movie. But all in all, I think everybody got their just desserts. I believe that they really deserved it. If you, if you watch this movie, you'll feel that their revenge was necessary. What do you think, Lando? Oh, yeah, I really liked this movie. I was very skeptical because I just looked at, at it on Tubi and stuff and was like, eh. So I did a little research and I watched the trailer for this movie and I was like, well, maybe it's not bad of a movie. I thought it, like I said, I was very skeptical. I didn't think it was going to be a good movie. And then I watched the trailer and I was like, well, maybe it is a good movie. And then I watched it and I was like, well, this is a really, really good movie. (laughs) So, but yeah, when it comes down to it, a lot of other people really like this movie too. Like Rotten Tomato, they gave it an 88. But their audience score was 37. Google gave it a 86. I couldn't find the budget or the box office scores for this movie. And then when it comes to my overall thoughts, I, I definitely think this was a good movie. If you like any action-packed horror movie, it definitely had that. And as Tim already explained, it had plenty of gore, lots of blood. I like the whole story behind why the spirit wanted to use her as pretty much revenge for what happened to him. I liked her overall look in the end of, of the movie. It looked pretty fucking badass. I mean, she was pretty much decaying very slowly at first. And then towards the end, I mean, she 
was missing a eye. She she just looked really fucked up. <laughs> um, the acting was great in this movie throughout everybody, even the fucking special brother. His acting was even good too. Most people can't really do that type of acting unless they really are special. So, and when it came to the ending, it was kind of sad because you feel sorry for her, but it was expected. I mean, you weren't expecting her to fucking live, especially after seeing her riding away and filling her body with dirt and stuff and then redoing her fucking hand or wrist with that fucking spear or whatever. But overall, I would definitely recommend this movie for sure. Yep. Oh, and the uh, brother who is playing himself twice while she was getting murdered and everything else too. Um, he wound up killing himself, but, and then the mother gets killed by her. Yeah. So yeah, I forgot about that. That was a little clip. I mean, it's a mini miniature thing. That is not even, that's like a lame part of the movie. Ironically, it's like, okay, that happened, but the yeah. rest of it just took over. Yeah. That was pretty lame, but it made the movie worth watching either way. But, but um, yeah, I know we probably missed the, uh, rating for sinister i just realized that so when it comes to the rating of these films when it comes to sinister i gave that a 4.5 out of 5 skulls and then when it came to avenged i gave that a 5 skull rating and um yeah the reason why i called i started calling it avenged also known as savage is because the original title for this film was called savage back in 2013 and then when the movie came out for uh, home use or wa- watching, they changed it to Avenged back in 2015. But the movie was made in 2013, so that's what I'm going to label the the year for when we finish up here. So, But uh, yeah, I got nothing to say about either of these films. What are your ratings for these? Mine was a 4.52. Uh, same slight little minor gripes as you is. It almost was a 5. Actually, it was kind of borderline. And I would say five on that because I said like a 4.7, 4.8, which would round up to a five on the second one because it was probably one of the best films I've seen in a long time, especially with the, like you said, skeptical. Because for one, when anything's released to video that quick two years later, you and you don't find much on it. And then there's these non-named like producers and stuff of the show that you don't know anything about. It just, I had not big hopes for it. And I watched it. It's like, I would watch this again. I mean, the worst part for me was the rape part was a little too realistic and kind of, I don't know, that gives you that pit in your stomach thing. That was probably the worst part of the movie, but that gives you the whole reason to hate these guys and love what happens later. So yeah, very, very good week. I enjoyed it. Oh yeah, I mean, I can't say anything bad about these movies. I mean, it was definitely a good fucking week for sure. I mean, but yeah, with that being said, um, if you have any horror movie suggestions, Email us at whatinthehorrorpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on our Twitter. That's whatinthehorrorpodcast, all one word. But as always, I've been Lando. And I've been Tim. And we're the fuck out of here.